to the newest episode of Deandra and the Co-Host. Yeah. Yeah, that's how I'm going to sing the introduction now so you can stop listening forever. No, but for real, this is a new episode of Deandra and the Co-Host. And I am Deandra Reviews. This episode is brought to you by DeandraReviewsAtAll.com where entertainment is reviewed for the light it gives. And on today's episode, I interview Bad Child because he's very bad. No, I'm just kidding. But in all honesty, I think as we go into the interview and we discuss, he's really an artist for those who feel isolated. You know, the person who thinks that they're bad, but they're actually really good. And they're trying to find that goodness and feel that goodness and feel it constantly and kind of give their heart a break. Uh, it's crazy how we all know we can be our own worst enemy. We all know that we can break our own hearts, not just with the people that we allow into our space, but the times when we're alone and, and somehow we don't feel like we're giving ourselves any space. And Bad Child sings to that person, that person who is realizing, I don't treat myself well. I need to treat myself better, not simply out of deserve, but I mean, I'm me. I'm a human being. I'm living and all this depression and sadness and self-destruction that I have is stopping me. And it's like, what? Why? So it's not even about deserve. It's just, I'm literally me and I'm treating myself like I'm some other person, like I'm distant and it, it just can't be. I have to... I have to become me. I have to become better to me to be a better me. If that makes any sense. I'm sure it does. I get so, so deep. But that's what I love about Bad Child. He's he's eccentric and lighthearted. And I feel like I could fit those categories. But he's very thoughtful. He's that guy that everybody's talking and then he just makes that one super thoughtful, almost random point and the whole conversation alters because a lot of times I think that so many conversations are either or this or that like there there only feels like there's two points and there's this saying the truth is in the middle you know the answer is in the middle but I don't even believe that I don't even I think the answer is like the third option or the fourth option or the fifth option I don't even think it's the middle because these two points just don't fit me right, don't fit my mind right. And Bad Child is that fifth option. He's that, that third or fourth point that comes in and elevates the conversation. And that's what he's trying to do with his music, elevate people so they can rethink about how they think about themselves. And uh, that's what makes his music so important and that's what makes this interview so lovely and thoughtful. And I really, really hope you enjoy this new episode of Deandra and the Co-Host featuring Bad Child. I am Deandra Reviews and this episode is brought to you by DeandraReviewsAtAll.com where I review entertainment for the light it gives. Enjoy. Today my co-host is Bad Child. Yeah, introduce yourself. Hey, I'm Bad Child. Thank you so much, Deandra. I'm here to talk about my new album, Free Trial, and uh, hang out and have a good time. Because you're the first artist that ever sent me politics. I was like, what? 
Like it's usually, <laughs> I've actually been told, like I've done like about 30 episodes and I'm premiering them like little by little soon. And I've actually been told avoid politics by artists. Yeah. And you just were like, no, let's talk about it. What it, what it, what it, what do you want to say about that world of politics? Because I'm in. <laughs> Honestly, I'm I'm really open. I mean, there's a there's a lot of stuff that um, I don't have an opinion on um, because I don't think I should, and it's not my place. Um, but there's a lot of stuff going on in the world like uh, i mean what's going on in myanmar right now what's going on in china with an active genocide like there's a ton of things that that occupy a lot of space in my brain i can imagine because your music is i don't know i feel like i i feel your sensitivity in your music and i mm -hmm. would imagine that um all these things that are happening in the world must have you hypersensitive. Mm -hmm. Is that is that a wrong yeah. inference? No, I think you're right. It's it's crazy because I mean, like, I mean, you consider like a you know what the hell is a news week? It's just it's just a constant like battering over the head. And if you're trying to keep up with everything, like you are going to just melt into noise. Also, I love your dog so much. I know, oh he's so needy. And I was like, well, let me just pop him on over here because yeah, he, oh, he's, he's I got him for my anxiety and now he's more anxious than me. So I'm calming him. So in a way I learned to calm down because I have to calm him, but I kind of thought that's what he was supposed to do for me. So <laughs> <laughs> the role switched a little bit. <laughs> But I've learned, I've learned. And, and that's kind of, again, it goes back to what we were talking about. I feel like when I hear your songs, I see somebody who's like a sponge, an emotional sponge, just absorbing everything around him and then trying to like, you know, like when you, you, you squeeze out a sponge, all this water comes in. And I imagine you squeeze it inside of you and all those watery yeah. feelings and memories and thoughts just come in and you're like, how do I keep clean? Yeah, that's a crazy analogy. It's uh, it is like that. It's like, oh my god, this stuff is going on in my world, and my brain. And I'm I think I'm too empathetic in a lot of ways. It's it's good. It's really good, and I think it's it's just like everything will absorb inside of me, and I won't I won't know where to put it. Mm. So I, I get overwhelmed so easily, like. You know what I mean? I'll just, oh, everything's going on. I need to try to force it out in some way and understand it. Do you feel the music actually clears you or relieves you enough so that you can look for clarity? Yeah. I mean, I, I view writing as like, uh, like epitaphs for ideas or moments or thoughts. And they don't have to be right. And one of my favorite things is like when I make a song and people don't like it or something like that. And it's like, ah, I can learn something from that dialogue alone. I'm not making music for other people. It's for myself to understand myself. You're freezing up a little bit, but you did, um, you used a word that was really interesting to me. You said epitaphs and epitaphs is something that you put on a tombstone. So do you feel like in some ways the song washes the feeling 
Like that's the thought yeah. stays there, dead. Boom. Moving on. Yeah, it's like you, you just almost categorically like you move through ideas or moments or traumas. For for me, a lot of it was like decoding trauma. And it was like, here's, you know, a horrible thing that happened in my life. How can I, you know, literally lay it to rest and like have space from it and as an object and go, huh. You know, that's what I felt. Hmm. That's so interesting. You're the second artist this week that brings up music and trauma. And and I, I don't know, I, I find it interesting because the, the other artist I was speaking to, she was trying to decipher whether she ever moved on or could. Whether music mm. was just like, yeah, whether she ever moved on or could, and if music was her way of recognizing that it's the that trauma stays with you, but how it stays with you is what matters. Like, stop trying to get rid of it, just learn how to carry it. Yeah, I think that's a that's really a huge way to look at it. Because I, I mean, that's that's the thing. I mean, I got into music. Um, you know, I think actively to escape my trauma, but um, this year that I, I didn't escape anything, and, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it's not it's not going away. And I need to, you know, I've been therapy for a couple of years now, and it's like helping me like sort these thoughts. Ooh, I did that. I did that. It, does it kind of interact? Because you said one of your topics is Radiohead, and I would imagine. I feel like Radiohead does make music for traumatized people. And let me explain that. I mean, it's <laughs> because somebody's going to be like, end, I'm out of here. Stop the episode. But I, I, I mean, there's just something about their music that is so concisely chaotic. And it's, it's mm -hmm. really emotional. It could just all of a sudden combust and then bring it back and kind of be functional again. And 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 I know that sounds weird, but I, I feel like what I'm describing is, you know, depression, sadness, overthinking, which are topics that you, you've discussed in your music. And I feel like that's what Radiohead does a little bit, that, that ability to show that even if you're combusting inside, you still work somehow. Yeah. That's uh, that's a good way to look at. It. I mean, I, I got into that band pretty young, and uh, yeah, I gotta say they messed me up really good. And I, I've been just I'm one of those people that's just like anytime someone talks about music, I'm like, don't mention Radiohead, don't mention Radiohead. And it's like a horrible. I'm that guy. Oh my god, I never wanted to be that guy, but I'm that guy. <laughs> I think that people do that with their favorite artists. Like there's certain artists that I will never. I love. Bruno Mars, and I will never mention him, and I hope to never meet him because I love his music so much that it almost mm -hmm. looks like, you know, get a grip. So I'm sure that's what, yeah. Radiohead, <laughs> that's what Radiohead is for you. It's like that, it's it's your soft spot where you're like, I let me tell you what OK Computer really means. And then everybody's like, oh, yeah. God. Oh, God, yeah, come uh, down. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> breathe, oh. breathe a little bit. We get it. But yeah, I mean, what's your favorite? If you were a Radiohead song, which Radiohead song would you be? Uh, I think Motion Picture Soundtrack. Hmm. 
a beautiful um, white valentine. No, I just, I, I love it. There's this like harsh undulation and like, it's obviously, it feels like um, there's this, this beautiful airiness too when like the harp comes in. And, and yeah. I, I don't know. I, it's, it's, it's well balanced and it's not, it's not trying to be perfect. And it's completely content being ugly. I think everything Radiohead does is like that actually, like creep. There, there is one of my favorite songs. I don't recall a Radiohead song that wasn't beautifully ugly in some ways. Like always feeling like mm -hmm. you, you went through a, a bunch of twigs and mud to finally find the garden. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think ugly is beautiful. And like, you know what I mean? Beauty's dead. I think... Uh, there's the search for the perfect image is so futile and like i think a lot of artists go into uh, making art with that idea in mind like i'm going to make the perfect art and i think that is a you know <laughs> a journey to catastrophe i think that's what what stops a lot of artists i was um in a conference and one artist like I, he asked all of us for advice. And I said to him, because he, he was so scared to release, basically. He was absolutely mm -hmm. terrified. And he said something that everybody was like, wait, what? I've been on this one song for one year. And everybody was like, wait a minute. You know, don't, you don't stay on yeah. one song for a year. You put it away or you rest or you go make others. And it was that demand from himself for perfection that I told him is not only stopping him, but when he does finally release, and it isn't, if it's not received like he thought, he's just gonna completely combust. Like it, it kills your, your determination to actually do something and then your resolve if it, you don't get the results. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that, that's, that's uh, I think it's dangerous thinking um to be too hard on yourself first period but but yet you called yourself bad child <laughs> yeah <laughs> well i'm extremely hard on myself oh. <laughs> i'm a cautionary tale <laughs> was that was, was it in some way the choice of your very name a reflection of that that kind of like you know the, the bad child the off child the the one who you know is a little bit rough even to himself. Um, when I came up with that name, it was, you know, actively about redemption in a lot of ways. I think um, I never felt good enough for myself or those around me growing up. And it was like all of these like things. And I was like, no, you know what? I made this as a function to become a better person in a lot of ways, uh, you know, and in a lot of ways for my own self, because like, you know, I've, I've always been so rigid and hard on myself. And it's like, I need to do something like completely out there, like, like music. And I, I never thought I would be a musician and it, it just happened. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And do you feel redeemed? Cause you said like you did this out of redemption or is it something like that, that artist said about trauma? It's so, one of those things that 
you, you don't know if you're supposed to actually get to the destination, but you know you're supposed to keep driving there. Yeah, it's definitely like that. Like, I mean, I feel like I've made a lot of breakthroughs on how I view myself and like learning not to care as much about any people's opinions or any of that. That's, I, I don't really care about that at all. So I think I think it's a journey. Maybe I'll maybe I'll find it someday. If I don't, it's what it is. Yeah, you know what? I'm gonna say something totally weird, but I think I feel like that attitude is very much something I would expect from somebody who loves animation, which is like one of your topics. I know that's so weird, but I love cartoons myself. I've never aged out of them, and I feel like that yeah. that that chillax nature and that duality of being your worst enemy but also like the chillest most fun person i think that's a very much a cartoon lover i think there's something about putting in a bunch of codes and then seeing mm. the results you know this this code means a color change this means um you know x means the character punches and then you add on the storyline the creative aspect and that's where you really start to feel like okay like i i think it's it's a great combination of creative and technical whereas music can really it could you could lose the technicality and sometimes you need to because it blocks the creative whereas animation you need both yeah, to a lot of degrees. I mean, I like how you put that though. Like the technicality is thing that once you sort of learn that roughly, you know, like this is what you should do. It's so fun to sort of dismantle that. That's that's where really interesting stuff happens. I love a ton of like alternative animation. Like National Film Board was doing such cool stuff. Like it, you know, like like so long ago, like fifties, sixties, seventies. They would do animations on like film cells and like scratch onto them and do these like interactive things like jazz music. And is it's there, just like, that's the sort of thing that like. I, is that very bad? Child love, you? you know, is that very bad? Child oh, yeah. That's your style. That's your vibe. I could see that. Is there anything like that? Well, that's like 60s, 70s. Is there anything now that you're like, yes, this is the future. This is as modern as I want that child to be right now. You know, this is kind of a weird opinion, I think, on this, but I don't think modernity or contemporary art exists. Now we're going into like, whoa, forget politics, philosophy. What do you mean? Well, I think we have entered a really interesting time where, you know, art, most art is referential in some sort of ways. There's tons of originality, but it's like, you know, so-and-so will be inspired by the last master or the last master before them. And we hit a time where communication and history is at our fingertips. And I think genre stopped existing. All of these things stopped existing because now you have bands that are imitating the 60s sound mm -hmm. and making 60s rock song and and you know meanwhile it's 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 2021 <laughs> and and they're they're making 
a 60s rock song like to a t it's like yeah. they're not inventing anything doing that and it's just like i think time has just stopped and and everything is just like referencing each other now and it's mm. it's weird like it's not really looking for anything new it's like digging back if that makes sense like there of course there's like some new artists like like sophie and and yeah. stuff like that rest in peace but I, I kind of always felt that modernizing, I totally agree with you, but I don't know if that even that process is new. I think we always look back. And for me, modernizing was making what was behind us a little more forward. So I never mm -hmm. saw modernizing as kind of being new as much as making, adding new elements to the old or making the old new again. But I don't think you can ever escape influences. And I think that's the, the part of the, the trouble of being an artist and why, you know, the whole copying is such a loose term because we all influence each other. Yeah, it's impossible to escape. And, and, and that's the thing that I find interesting is just like looking back in time and seeing artists who seemingly pulled things out of thin air. Mm-hmm. And it was just like you were so isolated and you did that like my favorites is uh, William Onyebor. uh and so this was a, a Nigerian like funk folk rock singer from the 69 early 70s I think and and he was one of the first guys in Nigeria to have a synthesizer and 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 he was making like I have never heard music like it. And I, I, I think it's still inspiring a lot of like the sound today. And it's like, th this is the seventies. And, and he just created something completely new from thin air. Like it just felt like nothing around him could have affected him to make what he did. You know, they say, I always get fascinated by that because like, I, I remember reading about how Charles Darwin was like, there were 13 people at the time who did like the theory of evolution, but he was the first to get published. So sometimes I wonder if there yeah. is, if we reach such a moment in time and that the artists or creatives are just able to tap into that ether where all these ideas, and I think it goes back to politics as well. Like some people for better or worse are just really good at tapping into that ether and whether it's luck or higher thinking, or even just having enough belief in yourself to be the crazy mm -hmm. one in the room, it, it, it's fascinating to me. You think that child is tapping yeah, into like, that ether? <laughs> I think, you know, I think I'm growing a lot, and I, I, I hope to tap into that. I mean, I felt very compelled um, by myself lately um and you know i used to always listen to references and stuff and mm. i've probably got two albums in the can right like right now of new music wow. so and, and a lot of it is so far beyond what i've made so far i think in maturity and like substance and it's all very different wow and, so i hope and, so and are you going to, what are you going to release it as a double album, 2022, two albums for 2022? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> We're thinking here. These are but you know, you're, you're getting hired on marketing. Yeah, 2022, two bad childs. And you know what would be really cool? 
because of we already mentioned animation and you are into video game development trying to figure out a game to go with your music i would love that yeah before before I, when i was in high school i i learned to program and it was the most neurotic thing ever i, I just i would come home from school and like i was programming a, a platformer and i did all the art for it and stuff and i was like man someday i want to do this stuff I, and now you know what Any knowledge i had i probably roasted it from touring so <laughs> i probably need to hire somebody yeah. <laughs> to program yeah. it <laughs> yeah yeah but you never know. I mean, we're still not, you know, there's, I still feel like we're in, we're 2020. -ing. So you still have time before the world really opens back up to kind of get your little programmer vibes. If you, if that child was a video game, which would you be? Uh, I'd be super Smash Brothers, probably. Super Mario Mash Smash Brothers? Ooh, yeah. Yeah. I'd be Mario Kart. A lot of people have told me Legend of Zelda. That's a popular one that a lot of people think. I can get I can get Zelda off of you. That's that's a good vibe. Yeah, I got Mario Kart though. It's just chaos on a rainbow bridge. <laughs> We're all throwing mushrooms and peaches around. Yeah, this this feels like me. Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> But Super Smash Mario Brothers, I can see that. It's colorful. There's a fight to it. Um, one thing that I found really interesting is photography and a photographer. Are you really into that? Because I actually did a lot of concert photography, and I've gotten into it through the years. But it's a, like, it's a real talent. Yeah, I think um, that's, the, that's the thing. It's funny. Um, you know when you contemplate what a camera is and how you have to guide it and tell it what to do. I, I find that like active participation with like coming up with an image in your mind before you even take a picture. That's, that's what is so cool to me. And then, you know, seeing it, it turns out like trash and then you're like, I have to come up with a better idea. <laughs> so I mean, that's, that's the thing. I mean, I, I've always been very into photography. I mean, I haven't been filming or shooting as much since I got into music because this is, I've been obsessed with music, but something I spent a lot of time researching photographers. I used to, I used to want to be a photojournalist before I got into uh, music. Oh, I mean, you've, you wanted to be a photojournalist. You wanted to be a video game programmer. What about music stood out above those jobs? No, nothing. I mean, I, <laughs> I've always made music and I, I, like I produced it all and whatever. And, you know, the first song I ever wrote was Bad Child and I just put it out and it kind of blew up and I went, oh, so I guess music was just the first thing that worked. So <laughs> I did it. Yeah. Cause I mean, I was just sort of branching out and I was doing a ton of different stuff, you know, like animation, photojournalism. I was really getting into that. And then it worked, so I didn't really question it. I just said, ah, it's probably the right path for me to yeah. go on. Yeah. Do you feel that in a way uh, already and, and somehow along the path, you'll be able to plug those other qualities? Like I said, animation, photo, photojournalism, 
um, video games. Do you think that that's the future of Bad Child, plugging those things in? I'm not quite sure yet. I mean, because I think um, the nature of music is, you know, commercialization. And I think um, something I'm worried about is commercializing my hobbies and passions too much. Because it, it will cheapen them and it'll also, you know, I heard this quote the other day. I wish I could remember who said it. Um, but it was about, you know, you have a hobby and you turn it into a career. Um, you know, you, you demand so much of it and, and, you know, you get your slave and it's like, you need to like nurture it and not, you know, all of a sudden put it in a box and say, you have to do this. It's, it's counterintuitive, I think in a lot of ways. Mm, you're making me think you're giving me a lot of food for thought because I, I definitely agree. I think that I was talking to a friend about how there is this idea in the music industry of people who walk away that they didn't want it that badly. And I think that they just, they wanted it just the right way. I think there's this epiphany that if I turn my passion into a profession, the professional part could really dampen the passionate part. And that's, the passion is what is important because that, that's what fulfills me. That's what keeps me sane. And the minute you bring in business, there's nothing crazier than business. Oh, no. Oh, no. And like, I, I learned so much over the, the course of, you know, deciding to be a musician. And uh, you know, the first thing was the burnout after I finished my first project. It was like, it was like that wasn't even the music that made me tired. It was the business. <laughs> and so it was the... It was like I, I could write music all day, and and it's just the it's all of the uh, you know the click wheel stuff and the everything else. So that's what made me tired. I was like, damn, like the emails, the can you the the datelines, the deadlines. Yeah, yeah. It's the whole. You could make a song in an instant, and it's the whole. You know, kind of judge jury, judge and jury. I was going to say judge Judy by accident, but really, you have to put your song in front of judge Judy. <laughs> And she's like, yeah, put the gavel down. But it, yeah, it, it could definitely mm -hmm. feel like that. Definitely feel like that. I, you've definitely given me some food for thought here in terms of, of whether your your passion can actually become a profession. It may, may it seems like mm -hmm. with that child, it can at least with music. Out of all the loves that you have, music was the one that you're like. I can make you a career without hating you so much. <laughs> that's that's what I mean. Like I'm, I'm not I'm not uh, saying that I don't love what I do. I am so grateful. Yeah. And uh, the thing is, it's just like I don't want to do anything else. And I think that's why I know that I'm supposed to do this. And yeah. at the end of the day, it's just like my terms, and that I couldn't I couldn't be happier. <laughs> 